along the road must have a code that you can live by and so become yourself because the past is just a goodbye teach your children well Hey, it's uh, John Amundsen. I want to welcome you to the next podcast in the series of podcasts presented for you by the Psychologist Association of Alberta. <clears throat> the purpose of the podcast is to present information that is timely, topical, and even controversial to the membership. Today we have a single theme, and it is on child temperament. I found an article, uh, a summary article, written by a person named Mirialt. M-I-R-E-A-U-L-T, and it's published in a, in a blog that I subscribe to called Aeon, Aeon, A-E-O-N. And in this particular summary article, she speaks of temperament and temperament in children and how there is a determinant factor uh, that seems to be inherent in children that is uh, biologically and neurologically based. Uh, and so in a minute we'll get into that and talk a little bit about um, uh, child temperament. They see the truth before they can Teach your parents well that children's hell Hey, uh, Cosby, Stills, Nash, and Young. Um, <clears throat> I did have an opportunity not to see that particular configuration, but <clears throat> I had seen all of them at one time or another in different configurations. Uh, Buffalo Springfield uh, with the birds and on and on. Uh, once ran into uh, David Cosby in, in uh, Santa Barbara, uh, ran into him, just was in a restaurant, and he was there eating. Anyway, uh, that's enough of the uh, stroll down memory lane. Uh, temperament is such an interesting uh, concept. Uh, uh, the belief uh, in the research that's been done is that children are not that blank slate. In other words, they don't all start at the same line uh, and then march forward and are affected by the um, environmental factors around them. I think we all would agree with that and see that that is, in fact, uh, the case. But the original research on this was by um, what was Thomas and Chase, and it was in, in the 1950s, I think uh, 56. And what they were looking at was an alternative to mother blaming. Uh, prior to that, uh, temperament in a child was attributed to parental subsystems and of course, mid-century, uh, that involved mothers. And so they were saying, essentially, that there are alternatives to saying, um, let's beat up mothers and blame them for the things that are going on. So what, what, what do we mean by temperament? Well, temperament has a number of dimensions, and we're going to visit this over and over in the podcast. Um, basically, it is the emotional, uh, a bodily, attentional, uh, st stimulus, sensitivity, and self-regulation that a child exhibits. So um, how, they, how they feel in their body, how they behave, uh, their emotions, their ability to attend, and then how they respond in, in relation to the demands of the environment around them. Um, in the original research by Thomas and Chess, 
they said there are actually nine dimensions in a child. I've talked about this relative to personality in general, and I'll say uh, personality is like speaking of stew. And when someone says the word stew, it is a concoction composed of a variety of elements. And so humans are that way. What are those elements? And you know, we, we look at you know, the, the big five, we look at this uh, 16 personality factors, um, Isink's early work on three dimensions, on and on and on. Uh, and so with children, uh, the early research showed there were nine dimensions. I'll go through them quickly. I won't be able to define them all, I don't think. But basically it is activity level, regularity in conduct and behavior, adaptability, intensity of presence, sensory thresholds, mood, distractibility, and persistence. And when they look at these dimensions in children, uh, they, they have found that they fall into three basic categories. All right, so you've got these elements then the levels and dimensions of those elements, the dynamics of those elements in a child, and then they speak of uh, three ways these uh, turn out. All right, the first group is um, what they call easy. And they say about 40% of children will fall into the easy group. Um, what they mean by easy is there's more positive mood, they're more adaptable to novelties and routines, and they're more easily soothed in, 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 in instances of stimulation. All right, so, so you know, a child that is being uh, taken to the dentist for the first time, uh, or an infant that is or a toddler being exposed to a novel stimulus, these are children that are more easily adapting, adaptable, and more easily soothed. The second, group, and, and that's 15% are slow to warm. And these children are seen as apprehensive, a little more vigilant, and more cautious in their, uh, in, in their temperament in general. So um, they're um, were the first group, and we'll get into this in other descriptors down the road in the podcast, might be more approach um, uh, uh, approach driven. These are more avoidant driven. So that's the other 15%. Then there's a 10% that they call difficult. And the difficult um, have more reaction to minor events. They're less predictable, less stable in terms of routinization and, uh, and, and routine. Uh, and they're, they, they're not easy to soothe. Uh, so they can have a lower frustration tolerance and go off. Now, one third of children then are mixed. So uh, uh, these are the three main categories, and they can easily find kids that fit into those, but there's another third that are less uh, easy to classify. In their seminal work, this pivotal work, um, there's been a whole field, uh, a number of researchers in this field, and a whole field expanding regarding child temperament. Perhaps the person we're the most familiar with in this is Jerome Kagan. Um, uh, Kagan uh, died a, a, a few years ago, and it was, it was cool because he lived to be, I think, almost 100. He was 99. And I read an interview with him at age 99, and it was amazing because the interview, you know, went on. He went, isn't this something I never thought, blah, blah, blah. He was alert, engaged right up until the day he died. Um, 
uh, Kagan uh, did research then on um, uh, children and on um, reactivity. And he coined the approach avoidance. So we can have two ways. There are children that are more prone to approaching and more children that are more prone to avoiding. So there can be a neutral novel, um, uh, novel stimulus. Uh, you can see it in, on in playgrounds. Children will be there. And some children will start run right off to play in the swings. Others will hang around the edge and go in a little more slowly. What he found, which is really interesting research, was that at four months, he would have these children exposed to a mobile that was moving in front of them. See, that, that there would be this, this, this mobile. And the children would look at that, and 20% were progressively and immediately overstimulated. They would be, um, you know, more reactive. Their body postures, their head movements, all of this, at, in the presence of this stimulation. And much like the, um, I think it's kind of a debunked thing, the marshmallow test, it would later predict behavior and conduct um, as a toddler, as a child, and even as an adolescent. What he found were the overstimulated children, this 20%, that they would be more shy as a toddler, inhibited as a child, and anxious as a teen. So I thought that was really very cool research. And of course, um, there's most of us have been um, exposed to and raised on a lot of Kagan when it comes to child development. All right, so what does this mean today? What are the current sort of condensed thoughts and, and again, there are three categories that seem to emerge from all of this research and all the folks around this research. Um, and, and these are um, uh, uh, three uh, uh, d d dynamics, I shouldn't say types, but three dynamics that determine the type. All right, <clears throat> the first dynamic is negative uh, reactivity. So the degree to which a child has a negative reactivity to demands placed upon them by their environment. Perceptual demands, behavioral demands, social demands, emotional demands. And we think of this as the kind of the reactant child, uh, the oppositional child. So as they're being led forth, they're more likely to drag their heels, be more shy and more avoidant. The second dynamic they talk about is the ability to exert self-control and self-regulation so that less dependent on external calming and more able to execute internal calming so less dependent on a on a parent or you know a, a adult a figure around them to calm them and then the last one is it going to uh, uh, kagan's and that's the approach versus avoidant and that breaks down to sociability sociability now, each of these are correlated to um, aspects of the nervous system. So what they're saying with the, you know, take, take all the ways we've described, described child temperament. So with the difficult, the overstimulated, uh, the um, difficult, I already said difficult child, there's a presumed amygdalitic uh, um, condition. That is the amygdala, is, is um, too reactive, it's more reactive. Some inhibit, inhibition relative to the frontal cortex probably, but it's more that this 
temperament is driven by an amygdala that is already over-respondent or, or unduly respondent to the environment. In the sociability factor, see, there, there can be too much caution. And then in the approach, there's the looking at the um, accumbens, the dopaminic uh, uh, system that has to do with strive, drive, reward, seeking, the seeking system. So there's a presumption that in those children, perhaps that area of the brain is, is, is more developed, more, um, 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 I want to say, triggered. Uh, and, and so inherently, they're more likely to be seeking and uh, curious and engaged in the world. Now, the temperament issue, of course, is always laid down next to the environment, right? Say So this idea of how much is driven temperamentally, genetically, biologically, and how much is determined by the environment. And the good news is in cross-cultural studies, even though some of these temperamental issues are shown to be there, they are less explicit and less uh, demonstrated or shown based upon the cultural practices. So there are uh, inhibitory cultures. Um, uh, and in these cultures, the temperaments are soothed, are, are brought down. So even with the difficult or the excited, hyperstimulated child, temperamentally, the parenting styles are driven by cultural expectations and more so that way. Uh, one of the arguments on the limit of this discussion of temperament is that these studies are done in North America and uh, uh, Americans and probably Canadians, we want our children to be independent, self-determinant, have their own thoughts, make their own way in the world. So then these temperamental features are much more visible to us. In a, another culture, which is more inhibitory, uh, that we must get along, we must fit, we must all be able to support each other, uh, that would be then perhaps less so. Uh, the, the good news is that the parental fit between the temperament and the, chi uh, the temperament of the child and parental style can make a great difference. So where there are parents that are able to, even with the most difficult child, provide a soothing, calming, referential, easy, way of coping and then accepting the limits of the child, see, accepting what the child is able to do at a particular time, they do much better. So when, say, the agenda is we're all going to go um, uh, and um, we're, we're going to go for a long walk and then we're going to go and get ice cream. So if all of a sudden during the long walk, the difficult child, the, the the hyperstimulated, whatever this is, the ones that negative reactivity, lower self-regulation, more avoidant begins to inhibit. And the parents can modify then say, well, we'll just stay here at the park then. We don't have to go walking anymore. Calms the child down. And instead of being tied to the agenda, that is the should, must, ought of what we're supposed to be doing and adapting to the emergent qualities of the child, these children do quite well. So, so instead of saying, no, we must climb to the top of the mountain, no, we'll just sit here and enjoy the view. That approach with these children is great and more likely to lead them to say, well, let's keep going now. All right, so, so that, that's really powerful. And the, and the experiment uh, that the uh, person doing the summary article did 
I, I thought it was really cute. They, they had a, a mannequin with big googly eyes. So a stimulus that could be somewhat mm, off-putting or upsetting or provocative. And they told the parents, we want part, some of you in the experiment to laugh and just start laughing and laughing. Another group, they wanted to, we want you to show um, uh, some fearful response, caution. And then they took the children in. And guess what? The difficult children, when the parents were laughing, they, 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 they handled it much better. When they showed fear, these children, they went right into their reactance and their typical mode. All right, so um, I, I don't know. I, I, I think this stuff is really interesting. And having done work for years in, in child welfare matters and custody and all of that, um, <laughs> parents would say to me, the divorce, it's terrible. My child's a wreck. They're all over the place. They're having trouble at school. They're having trouble at home. They're not sleeping. And I'd say, well, how were they before the divorce? They had trouble at school. They had trouble at home. They didn't sleep. So in other words, the temperamental inclinations of the child can be further potentiated by, by uh, uh, life events like a divorce, death, um, uh, moving, uh, whatever that is. So um, the issue of temperament uh, is extremely important uh, when we're looking at make, giving opinions relative to children and their, and their conduct, and especially in relation to novel or emergent circumstances. Anyway, uh, that's way more than we needed to do. I'll find something we can play uh, and march us off. Like a marvelous child Sometimes I feel Like a marvelous child Alone Love From home